0: If you are just now joining with us online, again, we are delighted that you are with us today. My name is Sherry Clifton, and I'm glad to welcome you, glad to remind you that we have some people in the room with us. We are having in-person worship. Uh, We're alternating services right now. You can find that information on the church's website. So if you're longing to be here in person with us, I encourage you to go to the website to find that information. The Website's also the best place, again, to find ways to be connected with us, to reconnect with us, and to continue letting us know how we can best be in ministry with you, how we can serve you and pray for you and pray with you. As we continue in our series this morning, I wanted to tell you a story about that a friend shared with me this week a pre-COVID story about a fourth grader who uh, found himself on crutches. Uh, trying to go to school on his birthday and which meant that that he couldn't carry in the cupcakes that he was taking to class and so the mom asked the 6th grade brother if he could help out by carrying in the cupcakes and the 6th grade brother said well I, I could but I prefer not to and the mother not wanting to waste an opportunity said well what what would Jesus do to which the sixth grader said, well, Jesus would heal him so he could carry his own cupcakes. <laughs> what would Jesus do indeed? Perhaps right now the question that most of us are asking is, uh, Jesus, could, could you just do something right now in the midst of these long days of, of 2020? One of the devotional books that I read sometimes is called Jesus Calling. And just this past Friday, this is what I read. You inhabit a fallen, disjointed world where things are constantly unraveling around the edges. Only a vibrant relationship with Jesus can keep you from coming unraveled too. If 2020 isn't a 3D picture of a fallen, disjointed world unraveling around the edges. I don't know what is, from pandemic to politics, from hurricanes to wildfires, from social issues to social justice, from racial tension to radical reactions, from going nowhere at all to Zooming everywhere, uh, from going back to work and going back to school or staying at home and going back to school. There's a lot of edges around us that seem to be unraveling. And in the midst of it all, uh, we might begin to think that we are unraveling as well. Maybe you feel this way. As people of faith, though, we know that knowing Jesus, not just knowing what we think Jesus would do, But knowing Jesus means that we will not be completely unraveled, no matter how frayed our edges may be. Suze Humphreys is the artist that uh, provided this piece of, of art, reminding us that if our hope and our peace, if our strength and our refuge, if our wisdom and our salvation are in Jesus then all that is uncertain around us can never ultimately unravel us because our hearts and lives are woven into God's heart. We are found in Christ and in Christ alone. So I wonder today, in the midst of all that is unraveling around us, I wonder where you need to remember that you know Jesus or perhaps where you need to know him more. Let us pray. Lord, I pray that you would open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive your word to us today, that it would take hold of us and transform us. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We're continuing our series, uh, Called for a Purpose, and next week Tom will wrap it up with growing in Christ's image, but this week I remind you that we have looked at what it means to be called to be a community. This is who we are at Bethany. We're called to be a community. We're called to participate in God's mission of transforming love, and we do that by leading people to experience God's love, to know Jesus Christ, and to grow in his image. Today we're talking about leading people to know Jesus Christ, different from knowing about Jesus. Knowing about Jesus is about factual information, and that's good. We do need to know about Jesus, but that's not all. More importantly, we need to know Jesus, and knowing is about relationship. It's about transformation, The truth is we can't lead other people to know Jesus Christ if we know only about Jesus. Last week in in confirmation, Tom was reminding the confirmands that as ones who say we believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, as ones who say we are following Jesus, then our lives are to be like windows. We are to be windows in which people see Jesus. When people look at us, Do they see Jesus? When people hear us talk, when people see what we put on social media, when people see how we interact with one another, when people see how we act when we think no one's watching, do people see Jesus? We are all called to to know Jesus and in knowing Jesus then to lead others to know Jesus as well. Throughout this series, we've been talking about the Apostle Paul, and, and how he encountered Jesus, how he came to know Jesus. Uh, certainly, he knew about Jesus enough to be persecuting those who would follow the way of Jesus. <clears throat> and his story, we find in, in the Acts of the Apostles, it's recorded three different times, his encounter with the risen Christ. He came to know Jesus, the risen Christ, in a very dramatic way, Paul was on the road to Damascus, intent on gathering others who were following the way of Jesus to persecute them, to take them bound back to Jerusalem. And while he's on the road to Damascus, he is blinded by a bright light from heaven. He is stopped dead in his tracks, and he hears a voice, and we know in reading the text that it's the voice of Jesus saying, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And at that point, Paul realizes, what who, who are you? Who are you, Lord? And Jesus says, I'm the one you're persecuting, Paul. And Paul says, well, what do you want me to do? And Jesus sends him on to Damascus, where he encounters a man named Ananias. A certain Ananias, who was a devout man according to the law and well spoken of by all the Jews living there, came to me. And standing beside me, he said, Brother Saul... And Saul is Paul's Hebrew name. Saul, Paul, same person. Regain your sight. In that very hour, I regained my sight and saw him. Then he said, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will, to see the righteous one, Jesus, and to hear his own voice. For you will be his witness to all the world of what you have seen and heard. And now why do you delay? Get up, be baptized, and have your sins washed away, calling on his name. Though Paul knew about Jesus, his encounter with the risen Christ changed everything for him. His relationship with Jesus became the very center of his whole life. To know Jesus and to lead others to know him, fulfilling this mission The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will, to see the righteous one, to hear his voice, to be his witnesses of what you have seen and heard. Paul's life was changed, transformed by his encounter with the risen Christ. Ours are two. And our mission is the same, to know Jesus and to make him known, to know Jesus and to lead others to know Jesus. Jesus, to be a window through which people see Jesus. Is that true for you? All that Paul had known, all that Paul had used to define himself, power and success and position and, and ego, all that defined him had to change. None of that could compare with knowing Jesus. In his letters to the early church, Paul wrote about this radical transformation. In the letter to the Philippians, this is what he wrote, and this is the message translation. The very credentials these people are waving around as something special, I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash, along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ." Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant, dog dung. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. I gave up all that inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally, experience his resurrection power, be a partner in his suffering, and go all the way with him to death itself. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. His whole aim, Paul's whole aim, was to know Christ and the power of the resurrection. And he understood that the power of the resurrection was preceded by suffering and death. Paul understood that all that he had been, all that had defined him, could no longer define him or satisfy him or make him whole in the same way, he was radically transformed by this encounter with the risen Christ, by knowing Christ. To the Galatians, Paul wrote, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in in me. Paul understood that the earthly part of him, this this false self, what the world tells us about who we are, how we make our way in the world, that, that it had to die in order to experience the resurrection power of Christ. Be crucified with Christ so that Christ lives in me. We still live in these bodies, But as followers of Christ, we live in these bodies by the power of the Spirit so that others can see Jesus in us. Others can know Jesus in us. Our true identity found in Christ and Christ alone, Christ whose life and death and resurrection are marked by self-giving, by sacrificial love, by serving others, giving himself up. Being found in Christ means dying to Christ, dying to our false self, and being raised to new life in Christ. Is that how people see us? Do people see Jesus in you? The work of transformation, and it is transformation. It's not a transaction. It's not giving something and getting something. We really have nothing to offer of ourselves. It is offering ourselves to be radically transformed. And the transformation process is messy, and it is hard, and it is costly. Richard Rohr says, the price for real transformation is high. It means we have to change our loyalties from power, success, money, ego, and control to the imitation of the vulnerable God, where servanthood, surrender, and simplicity reign. The vulnerable God, God who became a baby, God who came to us in the flesh to be one of us, that's who we're imitating. That's where our allegiance is. That's where our loyalties are to Christ. And this transformation means we have to give up our loyalties to the things of this world in order to offer our loyalties to Christ, to imitate this vulnerable God's servanthood, surrender and simplicity. Now most of us would say that sounds really nice. But it's much harder for us to allow that to become reality in our lives. All of us in the United States are steeped in the American dream culture that is just how the world works for us, where more is better, where succeeding is better, where getting ahead is better, where winning. We want to win at all costs. We are steeped in that. We can't get away from it. We turn on the news. We turn on uh, the ads that come on TV or on the radio all around us. We're encouraged to, to think that there's something uh, that we need to do different to be better than we are, and to be better than someone else in order to be successful. Encountering the risen Christ means our lives are transformed so that we're no longer needing to be defined by those things of the world, but defined by Christ alone. Uh, I, I think that it is also true that the church as a whole uh, struggles with this too, there's places even within the church, the, the big church, where, where we somehow believe that, that our success and wealth and power and, and ego and control, that, that somehow they might even be gifts from God that, that we then use to do the work of building God's kingdom. And so then we end up thinking that building God's kingdom, the work we're doing is by our own power, by our own success, And when that happens, when we're stuck in thinking that we're building God's kingdom out of our own power and our own success, we may think we're following Jesus, but really we're just following ourselves around in circles and wondering why nothing is different. Christ alone is where we are found as individuals and as the body of Christ, the the church. We are to be found in Christ alone. The transformation that Paul experiences, that we experience it, experiences for individuals and for the church, we're windows to Jesus Christ. The church is a window to Christ. Is that what the world is seeing in us right now? The challenge is not for the world to see us differently. The challenge is for us to live differently so that the world sees Jesus in us. So practically, you know I love to give you practical ways To take what we're talking about and make it real for you. How do we move from knowing just about Jesus to knowing Jesus or to knowing him more? Uh, What BJ is saying for us I want to know you more. I want to know you more. So, how do we know Jesus? First, we believe. We believe that Jesus is who he says he is and that we are who Jesus says that we are. Paul writes to the Romans, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God and have children than heirs, Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if in fact we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Here it is again. Paul's writing the same thing. Oh no, the power of the resurrection, even in the suffering. If I can attain resurrection from the dead, I'll go through the suffering. We're, we're beloved children. We are with Christ. We are heirs with Christ of all that God has. Believe that by the power of the Spirit, we are beloved, we are forgiven, we are free, we are known, we belong to God in Christ. One of my favorite quotes, and I'll keep saying it uh, until I have no more breath, I am one in whom Christ dwells and delights. I live in the strong and unshakable kingdom of God. The kingdom is not in trouble, and neither am I. You know, the world may be unraveling around us, but the kingdom of God is not in trouble. We live in the kingdom of God. As God's beloved children. So first to know Jesus. Believe that this is true. Believe that Jesus is Emmanuel. God with us. God with us at work, at home, in the car, at school, in the hospital room, wherever we are. God is with us. Meets us where we are. Believe that in Christ the whole of our lives are held together. Believe and be believe. Maybe. I'm going to believe that this will work. Believe, be still. Slow down. Slow down. You know, it's interesting in the midst of COVID when everything kind of shut down. I had several people say to me, Oh, aren't you glad for this time to slow down? And I thought, Do you know what my life is like? Many of us did not actually slow down very much in the midst of COVID, in the midst of the pandemic. Things shut down, but it didn't mean. We slowed down so much. And for many of us, it's as much about mentally and spiritually slowing down as it is about physically slowing down. Slow down. Be still. Spend time with Jesus. Find the quiet center in the midst of all the noise and the chaos. Spend moments with Jesus throughout the day. Talk to Jesus. But in your stillness, I would encourage you to mostly listen. Listen. To Jesus so that you can come to know him more. Be still, believe, be still, be curious, ask questions, dig deeper, read and meditate, study scripture. Scripture is uh, how we know about Jesus, but knowing about Jesus, the invitation is to go further, to know Jesus, to know God's love in Christ. Well, scripture is one of the places that we encounter that, but don't just rely on what someone else has told you about Jesus. Have you ever been uh, told something about someone you haven't met yet and you automatically form an opinion of them in your minds and then you meet them and what you thought about them is not true at all? No one else can know Jesus for you. Ask questions, be curious. Jesus invites you to come and see. So come and see who Jesus is, to know him and to know him more. Believe, be still, be curious, be willing, be willing to let go, be willing to surrender, be willing to die to false self, be willing to see and hear the risen Christ and to allow the spirit to do the hard and messy work of transformation. For Jesus to be the center of your thoughts, your feelings, your words, your actions, this doesn't just happen. You have to engage in that, and you have to be willing to see when Jesus isn't in the center of those things and put Jesus back in the center of those things to surrender yourself to be found in Christ and be transparent, be authentic and honest and vulnerable with Jesus. Jesus already knows you. Jesus already knows. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to to put on a, a a good front for your real struggles or your real feelings or your real thoughts, nothing that you say to Jesus will surprise him. Talk to Jesus as you would to your best friend or to your spouse or to the people who know you and whom you trust. So believe, be still, be curious, be willing, be transparent, be authentic and honest and vulnerable. So you got that? You got all that? That's how you know Jesus. Now, I know that you're waiting to hear. Then, how do I lead others to know Jesus? Right? I know you're all asking that. How to lead others to know Jesus? Guess what? It's the same. It can be the same. Believe. Believe that others are also beloved, forgiven, free, known, and belong to God. Others are. That you are wanting to lead to know Jesus are ones in whom Christ dwells and delights. It's not about. Uh, it is it is about recognizing them as God's beloved before you try to tell them all that you know about Jesus. And if you start here, if you start by believing that this is who they are, whoever the other is, then your Some of your judgments and your assumptions about who they might be or what they might think or where they might have come from won't have a chance to take root. Believe that God is already at work in them and that you have been uh, put in their path to share God's love with them. Believe, be still, slow down, spend time with one another, listen to them, be present to them. This is not about telling them everything that you know. It's about letting them see who you are. Be still with them. Pray with them. Pray for them. Be curious. Ask questions of them. Ask about their experience. Get to know them. Show an interest in who they are for who they are, not just for what you're hoping to tell them. Get to know them. Don't just rely on what someone else has told you about another person. You be curious. Be willing. Be willing to move yourself out of the way, to love them with that agape love, that sacrificial kind of love that seeks their highest good. Be willing to love them where they are, to serve them. Be willing to uh, simply let them know how you've encountered Jesus, how your life has been transformed. Be a window for them. You don't have to make them know Jesus. That's the Spirit's work. You're just leading them. You're just being willing to be an instrument in God's hands. And then be transparent. Be a window. Be authentic and vulnerable and honest. It's not about being perfect. The world knows. Other people know when they look at us that we're not perfect. So it doesn't help us lead them to know Jesus if we pretend that we are. Be willing to be authentic and vulnerable and honest. Risk letting others see the real you as you experience and as you struggle and as you grow in knowing Jesus. Let them see that. Find people who are willing to know you and to be known, where you can be in a place that encourages authenticity Grow groups in our congregation are a great place to start. Alpha is a great place to start. Find a place where you can be known. I want to introduce you to Tamara Kearns. Tamra is a longtime member of Bethany who has experienced this transformation in her own life and wants to tell you about it today.
1: Hello, my name is Tamara Kearns, and I'm a longtime member here at Bethany. I grew up in the church. I grew up going to children's Sunday school and vacation Bible school and church camp I grew up knowing about Jesus Christ and as an adult I continued that journey with worship services and Bible studies and reading scripture uh, to continue my journey in knowing about Jesus. But it was about 10 years ago that I realized that something was missing. I knew about Jesus but I didn't really know Jesus and I began to try to change that. I began taking time to talk with Jesus about everything about the struggles that I might have, the frustrations or the impatience that I might feel with my job or with my kids. I began talking to him about the amazing sunrise that I might see on the way to work, Um, the beautiful surroundings when we take vacations. I just, I made it a point to find time to talk to him about everything. And I can tell you, it was truly transformational for me. I opened up to others in a way that I never had before, so my relationships with other people strengthened as my relationship with Jesus strengthened. I began to be less worried about things. Sure, I would have my struggles and my stress, but I knew in the end Jesus was right there with me and no matter what happened, I was going to be okay. I can also tell you that I think I became a much stronger witness you know, for many years I talked about Jesus to people and I'd share Bible stories. But as I came to know Jesus, I came to be able to talk to people specifically about what he had done for me and what uh, I'd shared with him in my life. And I think that's just made me be able to reach out and share the love of Christ in, in a much more deep and intimate way. So if you find yourself, saying that i know about jesus but i don't really know him i want to encourage you to change that starting today little times that you can carve out throughout the day to share with him your joys to share with him your struggles uh, and just to be in his presence because jesus already knows you he's just waiting for you to reach out and get to know him and i think if you do that you will be so Uh, surprised and excited at just how transformational that will be and how much it can change your life. Thank you.
0: Is knowing Jesus easy? No. It's much easier just to know about Jesus. But just knowing about Jesus isn't a lot of comfort in a disjointed world where things are constantly unraveling around the edges. Friends, the world needs us who say that we follow Jesus, who say that we know Jesus. They need us to know Jesus, not just about Jesus. They need us to know Jesus. They need for us to have Jesus at the center of our thoughts, our words, our actions. They need for us to be witnesses to the resurrection power, the life that comes in knowing Jesus and being found in Christ alone and being willing to be crucified with Christ so that we might be raised with Christ. They need for us to know Jesus so they can see a place of hope and strength and peace and confidence in the midst of all that seems to be unraveling around us. So I wonder this week, I wonder what you'll do. I want to encourage you to do one or two things to know Jesus better. You don't have to do everything on the list, but do one or two things that help you know Jesus better. And then I want to challenge you to do one or two things that help lead someone else to know Jesus, not just to know about, but to know Jesus. Maybe it will be enough for you this week just to clean your windows, to think about how the world sees you, how the world sees Jesus or not in you, and how we as the church need to know Jesus more as well. Let us pray. Loving God, we're so grateful that you know us, that you invite us to come and see and to know you. We are grateful to be your beloved children, to belong to you, to know that in the midst of all that unravels around us, we are held securely our hearts, and our lives knit securely into yours. And so we pray today that you would give us a willingness to know you more, a willingness to surrender all that is not true about who we are and receive the truth about who we are in Christ, that we might know you and that we might lead others to know you. Lord, we pray for courage and wisdom. We pray for strength even as we offer ourselves once again to knowing you more. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.